Well, I think that's up to to David as as director. Mm -hmm. The director sets the tone. That's the boss of the set. I'm kind of off over on the over on the side, like, hey, Craig, we need some grape juice for this next thing. All right, I'm I'm off to the store. So my role is just kind of once the parade begins, you want to keep the parade going. But I think that's a testimony to to David's leadership on set. Um, conversely. If you have a director that runs it as a fiefdom, that would be really difficult. Mm. But David is very all-inclusive, you know, all hands on deck. Um, so maybe, David, you might want to touch on that. But that's really uh, David's side of the business. Well, for me, everybody's an artist. I have my role. Everybody has their role, down to the grips, down to the PAs, the caterers, everybody. And it takes everybody's participation in a positive manner to do it. And when we prepare the hell out of our work before we get there. We usually have nine to 10, 12 months, if not, uh, in uh, pre-production planning and prep. Mm-hmm. So the first day on set, we know exactly what the scene is, the shots are, who's involved, everything that's going on. So setups get bam, bam, bam. And that clicks. Uh, I also invite everybody's opinion, not as a group consciousness. It's not new. I'm, I'm not into that. But I will get on set and I will ask the actors because they already know what's going on. They know what the scene is. They've worked through it. And my first statement to them is, okay, show me what you got. Let's see what you're doing. Listen to the vibes. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Listen to the Vibes, and I'm glad to welcome back Mr. Uh, David Espinosa and Craig Aarons. They are independent filmmakers, and uh, they've and they've put out a lot of good films lately, and got some great actors. And uh, well, I'm, we're going to find out what they're up to nowadays, and just have a great conversation. So, uh, well, I guess Craig, what are you up to now? Well. Pretty much day in and day out, Kyle, that David and I are discussing our projects, both marketing, upcoming projects. We have four films out there available to be viewed um, in this particular order as we made them. Evil Down the Street, The Crumbs, Demon Fighter, and Love and Quarantine. They can be viewed on Tubi TV free, also at Indie Rights Movies on YouTube for People down the street, it can also be viewed on Freebie, which is formerly IMDb TV. So those four projects keep us busy. And David has been busy, of course, on our next project. So that's kind of the uh, the role that I've been moving in. Mm-hmm. Oh, David, can you kind of fill us in on what's going on? Sure. Um, what I like to do is I, I write. So uh, I've been really focusing on a character that we developed in uh, Demon Fighter, mm-hmm. Father Michael. He's a uh, Kung Fu master who's also a Jesuit priest and an exorcist. Well, I've written two scripts with that character continuing in these scripts, uh, Preacher, uh, which is generally, I'll just say generally, about a preacher who feels he is the vessel of God and his whole purpose is to do God's work, whether it's good or bad. 
uh, on the planet. And the other one is uh, Satan's Crossing. It's about what goes on at the border and uh, organ harvesting. So it's, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty rough script. They're both rough scripts. Uh, Preacher has a lot of very gory type scenes in it. And uh, that, that was done on purpose. Uh, we get a lot of people who really are into that. I'm not into chop films, neither is Craig. Just blood for blood's sake. Now, blood for a purpose. Well, you know, okay, that, that could be worked. And that's what Preacher represents, okay? Somebody who really has an objective, and unfortunately, it involves some of that. Mm. You know, the other one mm-hmm. is just straight up greed about how uh, people, and this is a true world problem, people are being harvested uh, for their organs. Uh, poor people around the world uh, often sell a kidney or a different organ part of it part of their liver an eyeball uh, to support their families it's a sorry state of affairs and in some instances they're actually captured for that purpose well that's what uh satan's crossing is about and Mm. of course father michael is a dominant character in both pieces Uh, we like the character we think he has a lot of uh identifiable relatable characteristics that uh, most of us can say that's what I would do that's how I would feel uh, mm-hmm. he's human so the the priest element you know religion is religion mm-hmm. uh, believing in God and believing in religion two different facts two different true. things very true so uh, he he's kind of although he's a priest and ordained and he was trained by the Jesuits which is a very incredibly uh gifted academia i'll put it that way not that i am bragging about the uh, jesuit school i went to <laughs> <laughs> i went to santa clara university got a law degree there and they were pretty strict about uh, the, the the rules and what they did and uh, etc your performance but nonetheless that's what i've been working on i've uh, and we've done another script called captives and it's about the vietnam war and it's about the similarities between enemies are they really enemies if they knew each other probably not Mm -hmm. they probably have a lot more in common than they realize but they were told that's the enemy you go shoot them Mm -hmm. both Mm -hmm. sides and so you get one side say well he's shooting at me what the hell i'm shooting back so we we create this faction this friction uh and uh we justify it so that uh, I heard it put this way once: rich people start wars, poor people actually, you know, yep. do the action, do the fighting. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that's very true. You know, the average man, and by poor people, I, I mean middle class as well. You know, they're working slobs like the rest of us. Anybody who's doing 40, 50 hours a week, regardless of what you make, you're not a rich man. You're a working man, period, right. or working woman period and to that degree we're all the same boat mm-hmm. and uh, the vietnam war as we know was whew, a costly yeah it was purposeless war so yeah. it's about these two people uh a vietnam soldier and an american soldier who basically 
capture each other off and on through a series of events and recapture each other. And eventually they find out, man, you, you could be my neighbor. <laughs> right. Why am I trying to kill you? You know, and then the answer, of course, is because you're trying to kill me. You know, and uh, that ends. But we like the scripts. That's where we're focused right now. Uh, we have these other scripts out, as we've uh, already mentioned, uh, Love and Quarantine, which is a comedy uh, taking place right now. Uh, more appropriately put during the heavy lockdown period that we had. Mm-hmm. And it's about two people. It, 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 it's a, a rom-com, a romantic comedy, but with a twist. Most romantic comedies start off with two people who just kind of casually start to meet each other and overcome all the obstacles to finally get together. Well, this is about a interracial couple, a black man and a white woman who've been married over 20 something years who love each other. But due to the lockdown, all the little pet peeves and things that, you know, pisses us off that we go to work and forget about, mm-hmm. well, they can't go to work and forget about it. So it starts <laughs> to accumulate. <laughs> pretty soon these were to grow apart and it's how we bring them back together. Mm-hmm. which makes the film we think it's very good we've got in our premiere we got a great response it's doing really well right now uh it's got i think a 8.7 something like that imdb rating wow so we, yeah we feel good about that uh, uh our demon fighter has i think a 7.9 rating or mm-hmm. uh, something of that nature uh, as well and it's doing well uh, I think you had a guest on your show who uh, was talking about Demon Fire. I'm comedian David Race in Los Angeles. I host a celebrity-filled paranormal talk show like no other. Monstrosity has great guests answering weird questions. You won't believe the combo of celebrities and paranormal experts who've been on this show. I guarantee you'll like Monstrosity or you get your time back. Go to monstrositypodcast.com right now and take a look. Oh yeah, John, the, the star of it, he uh he was very proud of that project to say the least and I don't blame him. Yeah, you you were talking about the your rom-com. I wonder how many divorces came about because of the lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, the interesting thing at the premiere afterwards, you could hear people saying, you act just like that. Not the way you are. That made us feel good. You know, it's like, okay, people identify with it. They recognize themselves in it. And that's the whole point of a film. You know, uh, our mission, CRA Entertainment, is to uh, entertain first and foremost, Mm -hmm. inform, hopefully, and enlighten. Yeah. If at all possible, you know, because uh, you got to get something out of it. And I, I think that's why the chop films aren't attractive to me. Mm-hmm. There's no theme. The plot's straightforward. Crazy man with a knife or an axe or whatever, a chainsaw. And he's cutting up everybody. And how you get away or don't get away is the plot. Mm-hmm. All right. And that plot's been repeated over and over and over and over and over and over. It's like a, somebody says, have you seen this film? I know. I know you generally say no, but I can tell you what it's about. <laughs> right right <laughs> well you know there's nothing wrong with the with the movie that you know gives you uh, some kind of a value or like you say enlightenment 
it's just when it's forced into a movie and it sacrifices the actual uh, you know, artistic I don't know what I'm, what I'm trying to say. No, I think you're right. It, it, it's called being didactic. Yeah, it, just, Preaching, it takes away from the whole script. Absolutely. Yeah. And we work tirelessly not to do that. Mm-hmm. So we don't preach. We don't make statements of preaching and about all that. You know, you have to love your brother. And I, I won't do that, period. I don't want that done to me. But if he is sneak it into the action through what somebody does, you know, take Demon Fighter, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've seen the film, uh, I'm sure you probably have by this point, And hopefully you have by this point. Anyway, uh we get a real good glimpse of his background, mm-hmm. of his backstory when he was a kid, how he grew up, the tough times he had, etc. And he doesn't go around talking about, don't do this, don't do that. No. Uh, in his frustrations, waking up from a nightmare, uh, he smokes a little pot. He chills himself out after having a horrible nightmare. Then he goes out and he finds a bad guy and kicks his ass. <laughs> So, you know, uh, what's he saying there? What's the statement? Well, generally, Mm -hmm. when he's finding a bad guy, it's because he's finding somebody who's causing harm to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't lecture the guy afterwards. Doesn't sit there and say, you shouldn't do that to people because you wouldn't want it done. I can't handle any of that. That kills the film for me. I'll give you an example that really bummed me out. First Blood. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Of that whole series. First Blood. I loved the movie. I thought it was active. I loved the way he came on and kicking butt. We knew what was wrong here, all the bigotry and prejudice against the Vietnam soldiers and, and all yeah. that. And he, although didn't look like a Mexican, he represented minorities. He mm-hmm. had that, that about him. And through the whole movie, all he wants to do is come in, get a shower, get something to eat. They won't let him do it. Mm-hmm. They're, they're so bigoted. So he tears the place apart. And then at the end, and this is the part that just destroyed the film for me. He sits there crying about, but we were over there and we really cared about everybody. And we tried it. We wanted to be just accepted as, as Americans. And I didn't want to go to Vietnam and kill all the people, but they were. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I lost it right at that point. It killed the film for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, I watched all the subsequent movies as well because I liked him as an action hero. Yeah. I like to watch his film, Sylvester Stallone, and I still do. But that part <laughs> just <laughs> ruined the film for me, man. It's, it's like, please, stop it already. We, we got the idea long before. You didn't need to do that. You didn't need mm-hmm. to do that. You know? Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's it, so true. If you could bring back Aesop. I guarantee you he could be a better filmmaker than what we've got out there now because he knew how to tell a story, but there was a lesson in it. And if you just, you were so enthralled with the story that you, you'll pick up on what he's trying to tell you. Absolutely. As a kid, I loved the Rocky Bullwinkle show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Aesop's Fables was one of the aspects of it. And that's exactly what they did. Mm-hmm. I loved it because there was always this great little lesson behind it, but they were speaking to children too. So they wanted to clarify yeah. thematically what was being said. Mm-hmm. You know, the plot was straightforward, but thematically the understanding 
to the plot. Yep. You know, that's what uh, came about. And that was my first introduction, by the way, to uh, literature of that kind. Was uh, he, I wanted to know more from there. My older brother, who was a very illiterate guy, uh, he said, oh, I'll get the book. I'll get a book. And he, of course, he had it. <laughs> yeah. and he brings it out. And so he's reading Aesop's Fables to me. And I'm like, oh, right on. So every time I saw a Bullwinkle show and they showed it, I go, hey, it's in the book. You know, it was yeah, cool. yeah. Well, I mean, too many movies that are coming out now that are coming out of Hollywood, they're so preachy and it's so in your face that it it just turns people off. And, and I've started to um, interview a lot more people that are in independent filmmaking, and they don't go by that Hollywood, you know. Uh, let's just say script where they say mm -hmm. you have to have this, you have to have this and you have to have this. And that's the only way you're going to get an award here in, in Hollywood. And otherwise we're not going to even give you the time of day. And here's this independent filmmaker who just wants to tell a story. And so they, you know, if, if the character needs to be black, then he's black. If the, character needs to be gay then the character's gay but it's not sacrificing the actual story and so and i even talk to people outside of it that you know love movies but they just stop going because they're sick and tired of that they want to and yeah. they start watching the independent films and okay yeah so the you may not have 800 million dollars to make a movie but you've got a story and that's what we want to watch. And, you know, I, your earlier films, the, well, I watched the crumbs and the evil down the street. Okay. So you didn't have special effects that, you know, are the same as avatar, but you knew how to, to tell the story without all that extra garbage that you really don't need. You know what I'm saying? Well, well, that's thanks to David with Evil Down the Street, mm -hmm. because initially we had some of that in there and David took it all out. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it would, have, it would have been, let's say, gimmicky without the budget. So just just imagine how that would have played out. So, uh, you know, fortunately, we uh, we toned that down thanks to David. Mm -hmm. Well, Greg, Greg told me that the story was based on an actual family that he knew. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I set that in my mind and I read the script, I said, well, I know they weren't climbing the walls backwards with their head twisted. <laughs> I said, that, that couldn't possibly be. So I just asked him, of course, I said, would you care if I made some edits? He said, no, go ahead. So I, I did excise all of that stuff. I didn't think it was necessary. For example, in Evil Down the Street, the daughter's upstairs and she hears something going on downstairs. So she goes down and she sees her mom in the corner in this skimpy little gown, you know, doing the hoochie coochie to some music and there's nobody there. Mm -hmm. That would just totally freak me out to no end if I saw my mom do some shit like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's a picture I don't need in my head. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I told Craig. I said, man, that's that's weird enough, man. You don't need nothing there. Just just that in itself. So 
uh, I, I agree with your comment though about Hollywood certainly trying to, but they're in it for the money and, and the award, like you said, uh, we don't have any money, didn't expect to get any money and never did anything with an award in mind. Mm-hmm. Our whole purpose, as I said, is to entertain and hopefully inform. If you can get past the entertainment, if the entertainment's strong enough, you'll think about it. Exactly. And mm-hmm. then from there, you'll go, hey, hmm. And then once you do that, you might come upon some enlightenment, something that you can actually thematically understand what the statements in the film are about. What, what's really like the crumbs, for example. What's the statement there? What, what's that about? That's about a family who's willing to do anything and everything to keep the family together. Mm-hmm. Aren't most families like that? Protective? Yeah. Sure. They're just, they're average people, but they have a little bit of other things going on. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it kind of changes their methods, you know? But uh, near the end of the film, uh, the mom says it straight up. We're just trying to save our daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, How many movies have you watched that have really great special effects, but the story sucks? I mean, look at Marvel. I was going to say most all of them. I mean, the films now, Kyle, that get released. And, and, you know, the walk-in theaters, if you will, mm-hmm. are all the blockbusters. And you have a hard time, one, enjoying them, and there's not much there. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. a movie I enjoyed watching, which is, fits what you said, is called The Fog. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's really creepy. And you get creeped out watching it. But they never answer where these things come from. Who brought them? Is it a military thing? There's no resolution. The guy ends up killing his his his, his family, you know, to save him from that horrible event. Seconds later, here comes the army, you know. And mm-hmm. he's like, so what thematically? What are we talking about? I couldn't get a theme out of it. I really couldn't. The plot, all right, I see the plot. It, it unfolds and it unfolds. You get in the fog, we've got these monsters of all, every which size and shape, and, and they're grabbing your yourself, and they're destroying you, eating you, etc. Why? Where did <laughs> they come from? What? Right. <laughs> None of that's answered, but a great special effects. You know, all the uh, superhero movies. You've seen yeah. one? You've seen them all. Basically, it's the same formula. Same formula. Every one of them, you know, when Marvel first started making like the Iron Man, you know, man, I I was like tripping out when I saw that movie. I'm like, this was a good movie. And then there was a few others that were good, but they, it was the same plot over and over again. Right. Like, Like Thor. I mean, he's got to learn a lesson or whatever. And then, you know, he then become the hero and they've just made him this dolt. And I, I haven't even bothered to watch a Marvel movie. And I, I don't know how long, because I can pretty much predict the ending in each one. And it, right. there's you just no, nothing, nothing fun of about them. Of all the Marvel 
characters, the Hulk is probably the most well-balanced one. And the reason being is that anger brings out all that in him. Mm -hmm. Right. And the theme is simple. Control your anger so the monster don't come out. Right. Because we all have that monster in us. And if you don't control your anger, you're going to hurt someone you love, someone you care about. Mm -hmm. That was one of the few. And even though it's repetitive, his anger comes out and is focused on something horrible that he rectifies through his anger. Mm -hmm. So his anger is generated through wrongs that are committed in society. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the average man uh, gets pretty pissed when uh, society creates a problem and nobody wants to fix it. Mm-hmm. Our, not to get political, but that's the state of our political uh, nation right now. People are angry, regardless of what side you're on. Mm-hmm. People are angry about what's going on, and they're letting the their own Hulk take over their common sense. That's right. And uh, ah. so, you know, you can relate to that thematically just by thinking why this character is the way they are. But you're right about Thor and all those other guys. You know, after a while, it's like, come on. Mm-hmm. You know, when they used to do the the radio serials, and people would just be <laughs> yes. glued to the radio, and you got to use your imagination when you're hearing the mm-hmm. story, and you didn't need to see all that stuff to get that picture in your head. They've made it to where you have no imagination when you're watching movies everything's just thrown right out there when the implication is there and you just kind of think about it it, to me it's a a lot more scarier i mean just like reading a stephen king book i I could maybe say one or two of the the adaptations to movies are are good but for the most part those movies suck (laughs) yeah what'd you think of cujo i i liked cujo um i mean that's one that i would i would definitely watch again but most of them i just i i see them and i'm like it's nothing scary but stephen king was the the first book i ever sat down and read that actually made me kind of look around the corner when i'm leaving the room or something you know yes that's what i liked about your the first couple movies that i watched from y'all y'all didn't have to put all those graphics out there the implication was there and that made it frightening i like using my imagination when i when i'm watching something i don't think hollywood can do that anymore there's a scene in the crumbs that a few people blasted me and craig about or craig and i rather and uh it's the scene where uh, the doctor strangles that little black kid Mm -hmm. and i actually had some friends who are black Mm -hmm. and the wife said i'll walk out of the theater i won't watch that i said why because he's a black kid i go so okay i said that's exactly why i'm leaving it in (laughs) and we didn't show the strangling you didn't have to no exactly exactly we didn't have to it was there uh and and i and we don't do that we seldom do that in our films now we did show some things where they were removing a bullet from a guy you know the bloody insides and the ink and the bullet out shit like that but 
you gotta give them a little blood just depending <laughs> yeah. on yeah you know, of course done. i mean you're watching a, a war <laughs> movie you're gonna expect to see somebody bleeding from a right. bullet wound but you know i'm with you i mean the, that the thought of that of what that guy was doing to that little kid it it pissed you off but it yeah. pissed if you enjoyed the movie like i did you got pissed off for the right reason i wasn't pissed off at y'all for putting it in there i was pissed off at that guy for doing it you know yeah. i mean right. you know that isn't that what you're supposed to do you're supposed to provoke people's thoughts when they're watching exactly. a movie exactly exactly that that's the whole point of watching movies i've been going to the theater since i was a kid i scrounged up money my brother and i all week so we could spend saturday at the movies and i mean saturday mm -hmm. we get there when it opened and uh, we'd be there till seven o'clock at night we watched every minute some of them if we really liked it we'd stay and watch it again <laughs> all right and in those days they didn't kick you out there's you know sometimes minimum two features sometimes three and five cartoons you know, i miss the cartoons me too yeah, that's right I, I still watch them on saturday morning uh they start at <laughs> they start over here where i'm at like it's six in the morning and uh they start with the old, old popeye cartoons of pink panther then they go to tom and jerry you know yeah. uh, they just move on down the line until they finally get to the warner brothers cartoons you know, which are my favorite mal Blanc. Oh my God! I cannot you. praise that man enough. Every no. single voice, whether it was an old woman, a young girl, a man, the milkman, a cat, a dog, didn't matter what it was. It was his voice. Mm -hmm. He was incredible. He made, in my mind, those cartoons. Oh Without yeah. Him, uh, they wouldn't have had the same impact on on people. Not at all. No. That guy. They don't make cartoons like this anime stuff. Uh, I don't know. And it's my old roots showing. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have some voice actors out there who might be able to do two, three voices. I don't know, maybe some on The Simpsons that are able to do a few more, but that guy did thousands of voices. That's right. That's amazing. right. And, and they were, they had a uniqueness to each one, whether it be yeah. how it sounded or the accent that he was using or, you know, he could sound like an old country hick or he could sound like a French person or he could sound Hispanic or, you know, he could do it all. That guy, is, man, we need now, more of that. If I remember correctly, didn't he have a son, uh, Mel Blank Jr.? I think he's doing voices did? too. Yeah. Does that sound familiar to you, David? No. Uh, yeah. I don't know why. Uh, I, I thought he had a son that, that, kind of picked up the mantle for his dad um i'm gonna have to google that when we're done here otherwise i'm i'm positioning myself to, like cuckoo for cocoa puffs but it seemed like he had a son that went into this but did not have the range nearly no like his dad yeah if, if i'm thinking of the same person i believe you're right and i um, believe he was I, I believe he was doing some of the same characters his dad did i think so too yeah, I think so too. L limited, but yeah, some of them makes sense. Yeah, he's 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 one of those once in a lifetime kind of people that come around. I think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, just like there's only one Craig, there'll never be another. 
<laughs> uh, I don't think that's such a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, should we be taking the Lord at this point? Or, I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. So hey, you thank you, Jesus. So, how many uh, of your actors are you bringing back for your next project? Well, you know, uh, generally, if I want an actor back, mm -hmm. and Craig and I did to talk about it we will tell those actors that we want them back for X part or whatever. But generally we hold open auditions mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. to both professional and non-professional actors, because sometimes you find a non-professional who's just got it. Yeah. Right. They just got it, you know, and uh, especially for that character, because if we see somebody turning in an audition and we like the audition, then we'll create a little more difficulty for them. Mm -hmm. and uh, audition them again because we want to see if they can take direction and if they return that audition like right now then that tells me something about them they can take direction right. and if they can take direction we can work with them so it, it just depends like um, Father Michael and I know you were thinking about that because I've written two scripts with that character mm -hmm. uh Working with a action actor, which is basically what John is, he's an action actor. He's, he's very good at the martial arts and doing those things. And, uh, but some of these scripts, as did Demon Fighter, requires professional actors mm -hmm. to be able to develop the emotional aspects very deeply. Uh, I enjoyed working with John yeah but we spent a lot of time working on the scenes uh it was difficult for him in the longer scenes to remember lines and blocking and i'm not saying this to put him down it's just what it is uh and it, it because we are indie filmmakers we don't have a lot of money to you know uh, continue to do something over and over right uh, we have to get to it and make it right but I, I would definitely be looking for somebody of the same physical caliber or better mm -hmm. and the same general look, you know, as Father Michael. As we all know, you know, there, there was many Batman and, you know, uh, many other right. ones. Yeah, Michael Keaton, he was like my favorite Batman. Mm -hmm. uh, he had that. He had that deep person, you know, that mysterious, right. almost evil, good guy quality. I just loved him in Batman, and he should have been the one to continue. And when I saw him in Birdman, I was like, look at this guy. Amazing. You know? amazing. amazing. Yeah, he is Some amazing. Beetlejuice. Mm -hmm. I, I loved him in Beetlejuice. Yes. You know, uh, he, he, he made the movie. Yes. Yep. He, he Mr. Made Mom. The movie. Uh, every time he would get an opportunity to pinch that dude's wife or grab her and kiss her, you know, he would just do it. And they go, what? I mean, you know, <laughs> it's a little smooch. No big deal. Grab your butt. So what? You know, uh, but I really loved him in Beetlejuice. And I'm glad to see he's come out in, uh, you know, Beetlejuice 2. They've uh, announced that Beetlejuice 2. I oh, generally wow. have many problems with them making the second round. Yeah. Loses because something. Because usually never as good. But every now and again, they get lucky. Like the Godfather. 
Godfather oh, Two yeah. was better than Godfather One. Yeah, it was. It was amazing. Which is saying a lot because Godfather One was one of the, my favorite movies. Mine That's too. Right. Mine too. Yes. I love that movie. I've seen. I've seen all of them, including three. I don't uh, know. We don't mention three around here. <laughs> yeah, we, it, it fell flat for me as well. Uh, it, it just did. It fell flat for me, and I, I didn't like him uh, casting his niece, uh, uh, Paul, casting his niece mm. in it. She was terrible. Uh, but the rest of it, Andy Garcia, I thought he personified the son of Sonny Corleone, uh, short-tempered, you know, always uh, Johnny on the spot with, let's just get him. You know, mm. we can fix this shit. You know, so I thought he did a good job. Some of the other actors, you know, here and there. Eli Wallach was his uh, devious, old, nasty self. You know, yeah, <laughs> he he's hard to put down no matter what, just because of the way he is. But uh, but you're right, Godfather one and two, they were incredible films, both of them. Yeah. Uh, so it can be done, but seldom is it done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They definitely fall short of the first one. Uh, I can't even think of a, a a part two that I've really, really enjoyed other than maybe Godfather. I'll probably think of it when I'm awake in the middle of the night at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I do that too. One thing I can say, the, the actors that have been in y'all's movies that I've talked to, each one of them, has said the same thing where it, it seems more like a family when they're on set and, you know, people pitch in, maybe somebody's, you know, grabbing the, the, the food for everybody or helping to do something to set up a, the set or whatever, but they feel like they're part of a family when they're there. And uh, I mean, it, was that your intention from the get go? That you that that's what you wanted. Well, I think that's up to, to David as as director. Mm-hmm. The director sets the tone. That's the boss of the set. I'm kind of off over on the over on the side, like, hey, Craig, we need some grape juice for this next thing. All right, I'm I'm off to the store. So my role is just kind of once the parade begins, you want to keep the parade going, but. I think that's a testimony to to David's leadership on set. Um, conversely, if you have a director that runs it as a fiefdom, that would be really difficult. Mm. But David is very all inclusive, you know, all hands on deck. Um, so maybe David, you might want to touch on that. But that's really uh, David's side of the business. Well, for me, everybody's <laughs> an artist. I have my role. Everybody has their role, down to the grips, down to the PAs, the caterers, everybody. And it takes everybody's participation in a positive manner to do it. And when we prepare the hell out of our work before we get there. We usually have 9 to 10, 12 months, if not, uh, in uh, pre-production planning and prep. Mm-hmm. So the first day on set, we know exactly what the scene is, the shots are who's involved, everything that's going on. So setups get bam, bam, bam. And that clicks. Uh, I also invite everybody's opinion, not as a group consciousness. It's not new, I'm, I'm not into that, but I will get on set 
and I will ask the actors because they already know what's going on. They know what the scene is. They've worked through it. And my first statement to them is, okay, show me what you got. Let's see what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And they go through their things. And if I like what they're doing, we do it. I don't change anything. I said, that's it. Let's do it. Bam. If I think they need some adjustments, then I won't tell them what to do. I'll ask them questions to help them get to where I'm at in my mind with it. So then it's theirs, mm. you know, and, and I've had, and I ask people, if you have any suggestions, you see something and you have a suggestion, just tell me you have a suggestion. Don't interrupt the shot to do it. But afterwards come to me and say, Hey, I was thinking that this might help. Mm-hmm. I will look at that. If you're totally off base, I'll say, appreciate that. We got it. But if I think it's right, I'll say, hey, he's got a good idea. Let's try this. Because a good idea is a good idea. It doesn't matter if it's mine. You know, and we we feed crew first because they're working every damn scene no matter what. So always crew eats first. That's our general rule. And then the actors. And I don't separate mm-hmm. the actors, the stars from the extras. No, everybody just get in line, come, you know, here's the food. Uh, we feed everybody. Uh, if you're there for three meals an entire day, you're getting three meals. Uh, and it's not three times a pizza. Uh, we, we cater, we, we cater our, our shoots so that you have good food, you know, so you feel good about what you're doing. You know, we have plenty of snacks and stuff on our tables, uh, drinks and water and everything you might possibly need. So you don't, you know, have to feel like you have to ask for something. It's right there. We house everybody. If you're coming from out of state or someplace and that's far, uh, we'll provide room and board for you and transportation if needed. Uh, because we want your total being. Mm. I don't want half of you worried about where you're going to spend the night. You know, do you have to drive home 50 to 100 miles after the shoot? I don't, we don't want that. It's dangerous right. and it's yeah. rude. So, and Craig, is the one responsible for all of that. I don't do any of that. Craig sets all that up, and this is part of our pre-planning. So when he says he's just sitting around in the corner waiting to take an order to go to the store, <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> by the time we get to set, he has done so much work. Our first day of shooting the crumbs, he was on his way back from the airport for picking up one of the main actors to get her right. there. So, uh, you know, there's so much involved and it takes so much from everybody. And I try to make everybody, and I say this on set, what I'm saying to you now, everybody is important. Nobody is more important than the lighting guy or the sound guy or the grips or the PAs or the star. You're all equal. You all have a job to do here. Mm -hmm. Likewise, myself. So I think that's what kind of sets the tone of cooperation. And then the other fact is we're prepared. We yeah. don't show up going, well, do you think we should shoot this scene first or, or what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been on a set like that and it's like, oh, what the hell am I doing here? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, we try to be as professional as possible, even though we're indie. That don't mean that you're an, an income poop. Right, right. It means you got no money. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, the impression that I've gotten from everyone that I've talked to is it seems like they leave any ego at home. And I'm, I've never got the uh, the idea that anybody felt like they were any better than anybody else there. That uh, they were willing to do whatever it took to to make the movie as good as it possibly could. And uh, I mean, it, it, you run across anybody with that kind of ego, and and if you did, how did you handle it? Fired him. You fired him. That's a good a good answer. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to name any names, but if you've had yeah. anybody like that, well, you know. Most people get the idea if they're working with us that they know how we work from the beginning. Uh, we give them a pretty good idea before they even get on set. Uh, when the first first day of shooting uh, Demon Fighter, we had a young man who we liked, and he was going to be a bad guy, and he showed up stoned. Oh no! Uh, drinking, smoking pot, and I knew it right away. And I told him, I said, look, let's just get past this. So you don't have to worry about whether we know or not. I know. I go, now I hired you because I liked you. And we're going to go ahead and shoot the scene. And I gave him the parameters of the scene. First thing he did was violate the parameters. We stopped. I pulled him to the side. And what it was, it was simple. Do not touch the woman. <laughs> Period. Mm -hmm. And I took him to the side and I said, look, you can't touch her. Okay, I got it. I got it. Don't worry. I said, all right. We went through this three times. Oh, my gosh. I finally said, nope, this ain't getting it. Took him to the side. I said, look, man, your first mistake was to come here stoned. He said, well, wait a minute. You started to get tough and bold. I go, before you think you're going to get bold, why don't you think about the set you're on? You're sitting around a bunch of martial artists. A bunch of people who know how to handle themselves physically. I think it'd be a bad mistake to try to jump bad here. I go, so we're going to let you go. That's that. I go, I'm really sorry it didn't work out. Oh, he was pissed. But what was so cool is we have an associate who works with us, uh, who we immediately looked to and uh, said, hey, you're the bad guy. You know, the <laughs> Johnny on the spot, he was wow. right there. So, uh, you know, we've always been uh, working around people who see what's important is the project. Right. And that's why I liked working with Craig when I met him. You know, we, we met uh, four or five years back, five years or so plus, and mm -hmm. uh, we started talking. I, I knew right away he was a guy I could work with. Uh, he didn't bullshit. He was straightforward with his objectives. Uh, and we both had the same goals in mind. The project wasn't about me. wasn't about him. Matter of fact, right. tell him how we did our first film. <laughs> how we got <laughs> it together. was a mutual friend of ours, uh, Todd Chase, for about... I don't know, maybe about a year that was encouraging uh, David to call me and, and for me to to call David. And finally, I, I don't remember either you called me, David, or I called you. 
And we started discussing the script that I had, Evil Down the Street. And I first met David um, with the idea of being an, an attorney. So that's how I first met him. And through the course of conversation with David, all of this started coming out that he's a graduate of UCLA School of Drama. He's written screenplays. He's directed plays. He's an acting coach in the Bay Area. And I thought, holy cow. And so as we went through the script, I asked him, because I, I felt silly from the standpoint of, at the time, I was going to be directing it, which made no sense whatsoever after seeing David's depth of this business. And so I sent him the script, just like we were talking about earlier, and David went back and just made a lot of alterations and edits to the script. And we went from looking back at it more of a draft to an actual script. And so it's just one of those serendipitous moments where you don't really know what you have on the other end of the line, but the more that you go down there, you're thinking, oh my gosh, holy cow. So it was a God thing. And as a result, four films later, here we are. But yes, thanks to Todd Chase. If it wouldn't have been for Todd, we would have been probably, I don't know, like ships in the night. It was kind of strange because I'd been off and on in the industry for quite a number of years. And Craig had just basically started in the industry <laughs> just, I don't know, a few years, several years before I met him. Right. He did mortgage banking for like 28 years. And then got talked into going to an acting class with a friend of his who, unbeknownst to him, ran the acting class. So as the story goes, they finished the class and he tells Craig, well, what do you think? Craig goes, what the hell are you talking about? What do I think? Yeah, it looked like fun. They had fun. Okay. He goes, why don't you give it 90 days? See what it's like. Craig's going, what are you talking about? Next thing you know, he's an acting student for 90 days and boom, he's good. And he, he, he starts to get parts. Next thing you know, he's a sag after actor and he's appearing on all these uh, criminal minds and all these other programs. He's got a, a pretty extensive resume if you've uh, been able to see it. Uh, so how does that come together? You know, as he's already said, uh, that's a God thing. Uh, God knew what I wanted. Uh, he put yeah. me together with this guy and whether Craig knew it or not, God wanted me to know him, so there. <laughs> that is yeah. that is your your penance to get into heaven. You got to deal with with David now. <laughs> it's about right. Well, I know a lot of actors will. These actors will. Um, I guess they they learn on set and they get that bug to want to direct. I mean, do you have that bug that you'd want to do that? sometime Craig oh hell no. no no not no zero that's why like I said with evil down the street I was down as 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 down to be director by default more than anything else Kyle and then with David I thought I'll gladly step aside I I think like to your point where actors wear multiple hats Unless your name is George Clooney, I think it's I think it's a challenging proposition. Mm -hmm. Do what you do, do it really well. And I'm not necessarily saying that an actor doesn't make for a good director. I've not really seen it myself at a at a level 
that would really make sense. Yeah. So no, man, I, I, I have no desire <laughs> at all there. Um, stay in my lane. I'll drift over to David's. David will drift over to my side of the ledger. But to say like, oh yeah, man, I, I could so no, no, that's no, that's not a. I I applaud David, since we're off the record here. I'm kind of like Alfred Hitchcock from the standpoint of dealing with actors, brother. It's just it's not really my thing. David does a really good job explaining to them what he's looking for, coaching them emotionally to get where they need to be and going through all of that stuff. God did not design me that way. That's not me. So no, I I'm totally fine with the skill set that I have. (laughs) (laughs) You never know, man. Maybe one day you'll get the hang of it. If that's I'm going to be uh, somebody should do a drug test. Then something, something seriously (laughs) went wrong. (laughs) Well, either that or pass the ball. Don't come to the set stone. He'll get rid of you. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. You're off, off, off with her head. <laughs> well, it, you put your heart into it uh, and you can tell you take everything seriously. It's not just haphazardly done. Um, and I look forward to, you know, what y'all have for the future. You know, it seems like you can tell your progression as the movies go on and, and uh, don't change, man, uh, as far as right your your vision. But uh, yeah, everything else, we have no choice. I'm getting older by the moment. No matter what. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Same here. Look, just look at us. <laughs> That's a clue. Yeah. We, we had a we good like, time like... being on your show. Thank, well, thank you. you so much. Thank you. I want to say well, you, y'all always uh, fun. Always fun. y'all tell the story and, and and keep that artistic your your art going because uh I, I think people are sick of Hollywood. They're they're liking what's going on in the independent film industry. And I think we're gonna see it take over, honestly. Um yep. but, and, as long as y'all are doing what you're doing and you're giving people what they want to see, I can see it growing. I see it in the comic book industry. Uh, people are leaving DC and Marvel and going for these independent titles. Sure, sure. There's, for there's, good reason. Yeah, they're sick of that same old, same old, and they're tired of being preached to. They want a good story. So, Amen. That's what it's about. Yeah. Fellas, when the new one comes out, Come back and let's talk about it. We will. Absolutely. Be glad to. And uh, make sure I'm first in line to see it, okay? There you are. Sure. <laughs> I'd like to thank your audience for uh, joining us. Uh, without your audience and an audience period, we're just yeah. two old guys making movies. So uh, without yeah. an audience, we have nothing. So thank you so much. Yes. Thank you very, very much. Very much. Well, thank you guys. And I do thank the audience. It's it's because of them that I get to do this. And those that have come by for the first time, um, despite what you saw today, I I hope you'll come back. (laughs) (laughs) Hit that subscribe button and 
to all of you. Please take care. Be kind to one another. God bless and peace. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Listen to the Vibes. You can catch us on Buzzsprout or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook at The Vibes Broadcast Network.